In this episode, we talk about Bas's last day at Xing. We talk about in-person conferences. Crazy, I know. And we talk about Catalyst and its woes. This is Contravariance, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other programming-related topics. Good evening, Bas. Good evening, Benedict. What happened to this morning's schedule? Yeah, I I don't think I will see the two of us ever again sitting, well, at least in the near future, sit, sitting together in a room in the Xing in the office and uh, recording a podcast in the morning. So uh, the, the evening routine fits better if we're in different time zones uh, and recording from home, I would say. It's definitely, yeah, that's very, very specific. Um, but I also am afraid that that won't happen. Um, not even anytime soon, because as I said in the uh, in the latest episode, um, that I was you know moving away from from Xing, um, mm-hmm. and that actually happened yesterday. I had my last day yesterday. Yeah, it uh, was a very sad day. Um, I feel that um, the end, basically, where everybody said goodbye, was really nice. Um, but nevertheless, it was your last day. It was a sad day. So how did it uh, feel for you? Yeah, so it was weird, right? So it's been a been a tricky situation um, with me moving to Barcelona and, and that in the end just being very tricky and, and unfortunately not working out. Um, so it was it was really weird to basically have to move on to something, although I'd been looking for something for, for a while. Um, and then we had like a spontaneous vacation before my two last days. So that felt weird. Um, and then what happened in the middle of my last day is that they said like, oh, we need to reset your computer and we have to do it today, which basically meant we have to do it now. Um, so there was basically a gap in my day where it was like, oh, I'm reinstalling macOS. So it was actually quite hectic, even though there wasn't Mm -hmm. really much that I could do anymore. Right. So basically the, the official work day ended around lunchtime, right? After that, you, you were reinstalling Macintosh and you were locked out of, the, out of all the systems. Um, and then after the, like in the afternoon, we had a very nice um, Zoom call because obviously the official uh, telecomic infrastructure didn't work anymore for you. Yeah, exactly. So maybe to like recap that day, um, I actually had a, a workshop in the evening and I had a call with a colleague also like before that so basically just after the afternoon i was told like okay we have to reset your computer and they were like we can do it now or we can do it at four o'clock and i said well we can't do it at four o'clock because i have a a workshop at five and i have a call around that time so i said let's just do that now let's hope that i can reinstall macOS, that i can uh download xcode again because i have this workshop um which made it made it quite stressful. And then like I was on a Slack call to like walk through this process of, of resetting the computer and it was basically like, okay, I'm gonna press a button now and my Mac just basically <laughs> shut itself down while I think at the same time basically disabling all my accounts um, mm. that are like managed. Um, and then it was like, okay, now I have to reinstall macOS on a hotel network that wasn't great, mm. um, which worked fine. It was just the, the Xcode one that was a lot trickier than uh, that needed to happen before the workshop. 
Mm. Um, and then you messaged me, uh, luckily, uh, <laughs> knowing obviously we can we can talk on on other platforms. So you you ping me on iMessage like, hey, this call that somebody reached out to you uh, yesterday, like, hey, you know, can you maybe join that call? Um, it's happening on Zoom and it's happening here and here and here. Uh, and that was amazing. Um, so I don't know if you were the organizer. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I know who the organizer was, obviously I will not mention names. It could have been me, it could have been anybody. Um, but it was, it were your good, uh, co-workers like Singh that, uh, that set, that set this up. Right. A surprise, uh, meeting or a surprise hot chocolate as we called it, um, with a bunch of great people um, uh, at Xing. Um, not just my team, I was very positively surprised. It was not just my team, it was also the, the cluster and some other people that I've, uh, um, you know, uh, been in contact with at Xing. Um, and it was just an amazing surprise where I made a short, short speech, uh, you did the same. Uh, we exchanged some nice stories about conferences and how I got the job and some good memories. Um, yeah, that was that was the best way to, to end that day, I would say. Yeah, it also felt to me like a very, very uh, nice way, given the situation of ending the day. Because usually what, what we used to do in the past is we would all gather in the cluster and talk a bit and so on, have a beer, and then the person will leave. Uh, but that's impossible now, and, and not only with you, but in general. Um, and so I think that was, was a cool ending. A couple of people couldn't join because they had alternative meetings there to attend. They might reach out to you um, via, via other means, like on Xing, for example, or, or other ways or Twitter. So maybe some of that already happened. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely been a bunch of people reaching out to me saying like, oh, you've, you know, you've been locked out from all the systems now. And uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't able to attend this thing, but I want to say some nice words. So yeah, I feel very loved by, by the people at Xing. Um, and yeah, I think it's, you know, leaving with, with a tear and a smile, uh, but mm -hmm. looking forward to, to what's next. Uh, talking about what's next, um, now that you are free and don't have to work for the man, uh, you're working on a side project. Is that right? That's correct. Well, so, you know, I mean, I'm free, but for a bit. So I will start a new job on, on November 2nd. Um, but it's great to, you know, have a bit of time in between, um, you know, spend some time doing whatever I can do. Um, but there's a lot of time. Um, so I think that was la the week before the vacation. So about two weeks ago, I had unexpectedly, I, we had two, uh, bank holidays in, in Spain. Um, so I started on this side project that I'd been meaning to work on for a while. Um, and I did that with Catalyst, um, which has been very, you know, very interesting and a lot of fun. Um, and I've been learning a lot there and I feel like I made the right approach with, you know, the ability to make some progress rather than getting stuck or getting discouraged um, because I'm trying to integrate something or whatever. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun for now. I, I have very mixed feelings with Catalyst, I have to say. And that is, I mean, I think I'm, I'm slowly advancing to be one of the, the 
more knowledgeable persons about Catalyst. And that's simply because hardly anybody is really using it. So I think very few people are using it. And then it's easier to become one of the more knowledgeable persons. And um, there are just so many things that are slightly broken. And that is, for me, very tri tricky because it's a lot of this is not documented. And I think it's fine if you have a very simple app. That is what I did. Usually what I tell people is when you start a side project and you think it's something bigger, create a prototype to figure out if the tech stack that you think you want to use works out. And I obviously did that. So I did some testing with Catalyst and so on, and that felt great. It worked great. But that was for a very simple app. And um, that's not the case with Hyperdeck. It has a lot of specific things that are more complicated, and that is where, where Catalyst falls short. And um, as an example, I've, th so the past couple of days in, in the spare time I have, I've been working on um, UI document support. So on iOS, that works fine, right? I'm supporting a UI document. I'm using Apple's facilities, and it works. It does what it needs to be. Um, when you then use it in Catalyst, the UI document support is terrible. It's basically like I would have expected if they are just using the NS document facilities. They are not. It's just all very weird. And if you want the same level of look and feel and behavior as a normal NS document macOS app. That is, you can just create a new document and you don't have to save it first. You can just start editing it. And if you then at some point feel um, that you want to save it, um, you just save it and then, then it's saved. And when you, um, when you kill the application or something and go back, then the document comes back. If you want this kind of behavior, it's a huge amount of work. Um, and what, I, what what bugs me about that is that the end user will see it, will think, oh, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a kind of macOS app, it's okay, and it, it behaves like all the other apps, but, but what's not visible is just how much painful work goes into making Catalyst the way um, the, to behave properly that the end user will never see, and that's kind of like wasted work, right? Because it's so much work that I have to invest just to make it work. By now, I think if I, if I could choose again, I wouldn't choose Catalyst. Yeah, I think it took a while for me to realize that Catalyst is basically just like kind of another operating system, right? Like it isn't mm -hmm. macOS, it isn't iOS. It's basically the iOS frameworks, but completely rebuilt from the ground up to work on the Mac. And I think that's why we see that there's so much still to do and so many like things that are maybe not working as expected because it's such a huge task. And if you look at it, like this must have been like a huge undertaking that has already been happening for, for quite a long time. Um, but that being said, it's still like frustrating that that's the state and, and not being able to know what this state really is just causes a lot of surprises. Right. And so in my opinion, what would have been better communication from Apple is just to take a couple of things and disable them for now and say, if you want to use your document with Catalyst, not have it not available for Catalyst and say, we are sorry, but your document is not supported. Um, and the, the reason is that like none of the Apple apps uses that. And so if Apple hasn't really used it in their app, they probably they, they just have a not very good implementation of it. Nobody really looked into it. It hasn't been dog-fooded. And I think Catalyst would be better if they just wouldn't even allow using these technologies because then I could initially have said, okay, I can't use your document, so I'm not going to use it or I will not use Catalyst. But but now I'm in a situation where a lot of the text, tech that I chose on the iOS side have very quirky behavior on the macOS side and question from making me question my choices. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. Um, so I've been talking to a bunch of people and like, it seems like Apple is definitely wanting to see like 
feedback, right? Mm. Because they can't or they haven't been able to tackle it all themselves yet, basically. So what you're saying, basically, that they haven't built an app with your document means they haven't really received any feedback from anyone, neither mm. like internally or externally. Um, and also in terms of prioritization, that is that is tricky. Um, that being said, though, you mentioned like disabling APIs. I've seen that Peter Steinberger from PSPDF Kit, like they've been doing Catalyst from day mm -hmm. one. Yeah, I, I would uh, say he's the the Catalyst expert currently on from the people that I know based on the stuff they did with it. Totally. So, but what he's been tweeting is that, and this is also something I've noticed is basically Apple made a, quite a big change in the latest or basically the the first release of Xcode twelve where they pulled all the support for um, what they call Mac Catalyst iOS or Mac Catalyst 14, I think, which is like, I think that comes back to your radar of the unification of, uh, <laughs> mm. of, of uh, versions, but separately. Um, basically they pulled away all of the new Big Sur stuff um, mm. in that uh, version, meaning Anything that was building in Big Sur and in iOS 14 now did not build anymore in iOS in in sorry in Big Sur. So you had to like check everything and make sure that this API is uh, is not being run there because you could basically not build your apps for uh, for Mac anymore. Right. So I ran into that and and I just stopped working on it for a month. That that was the month where I took vacation of Hyperdeck because it didn't build and I felt like okay if it doesn't build I don't want even want to look into it. I just wait for the next beta. Uh, it and that beta took forever to come. <laughs> I, I just I couldn't stand like figuring out why I didn't want to build anymore. Right. But separately what Peter has been tweeting about is that Apple has disabled a bunch of APIs. Um, so if I remember correctly, things like UI slider, if you just use those in a Mac Catalyst app, it will just crash at runtime saying this is currently not supported, which is I, like I, I haven't thought about it too much yet. There's probably a reason why they can't do anything other than that, or they just wanted to do that because they didn't want to break as much for like iOS 14 apps, basically mm. um, not being able to or no. It actually doesn't make sense now that I say that, right? Like something happened where they said, okay, we can't just disable these APIs and break builds on macOS. They said, we're just going to have them crash at runtime. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a bit wary of these. Uh, Apple does these from time to time where they crash at runtime, even in release builds. And I would be much happy, happier if they crash only in debug configurations and um, at, at runtime and release builds, like for certain things, they have a separate behavior. Let's say just don't play display the slider. Um, that's something I would prefer, but um, obviously everybody has a different opinion there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what Apple will do going forward um, because it is a tricky situation. Mm. Uh, also, for example, with, with Catalyst uh, being run on the Mac, but basically requiring the new version of macOS and that mm -hmm. not being synced with the release of iOS makes makes things tricky. Yeah. So as, as I said, if, if I could go back in time, um, when I started Hyperdeck, I would have added two targets, a UI target with SwiftUI and a um, 
AppKit target with SwiftUI and probably try to share the SwiftUI code between these two and then share the model layer and share some controllers that via a abstraction. That's what I would have done. But back then I thought that Apple would invest. Well, I think they invest a lot in Catalyst, but maybe it's more difficult. But back then I thought that by the end of the iOS 13 lifecycle, Catalyst would be more advanced than it is right now. And that's really biting me. Like things that should be easy are taking weeks and they, they should take days. And that's certainly currently uh, hampering my progress. Also things that, that are not features that I would consider special features of the app that are just the basics that need to be done take forever. Like proper UI document support takes forever and stuff like that. And that is, or adding adding a proper main menu, having a good toolbar, stuff like that takes forever. And that, that sucks because this is time I could invest in having a nice slide engine, having more effects on the slide side and so on. Instead, I have to invest a huge amount of time into things that I would take for granted as a user and as an author of apps. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you know, I hope that those people that are working on it can can basically help you know share that kind of knowledge of the the rough edges um and meanwhile hoping that you know apple continues to to improve it i've heard very good things about the messages app on macOS that is now built mm. with catalyst mm. um, so hopefully we'll see more of that uh, and that also having a positive effect on on those apis mm. yeah yeah let's see i mean i'm <laughs> i'm bound to it now right Right. I, yeah. So I, I, I have to hope for that. There, I still have the option of doing a larger rewrite, but I, I don't have the energy to do that. That's fair. So I hear that you've talked about this at a conference. Right. A conference in 2020. Right. A in-person conference in 2020. Wow. Wow. Tell me more. <laughs> there was a conference in Paris, which most people already know by its the name because it's been happening in the previous years as well. French Kit. It's a very nice conference, a very nice conference in Paris. I've never been there. I always wanted to go there. And this would have been my option to go there to attend in person. And that would have been a great option because I really miss conferences. I would have loved to go to a in-person conference again. I really would have had to do that. Um, but with the numbers rising in Europe, I didn't want to go there in person. And so I asked if it would be okay to give a remote talk, even though it's a in-person conference. And that was fine for them. Um, and so I couldn't attend. Uh, instead, I was in my living room, actually in the place where I am right now, um, and we had construction work going on in the room above us. And I was really hoping, praying that the construction workers would take have the, the day off or the time of have a lunch break in between and not make any noise. Um, and that was the case. The construction work didn't happen. Um, and I think it worked, worked very well. My internet connection was fast. I, I, I was mostly in time. Maybe it, was, it took me like three minutes too long. Um, I really enjoyed giving the talk. I got good feedback. It is weird, though, if you don't see the people you're talking to. You have an audience. You don't see their faces. You don't uh, see laughter. Like I cracked a couple of jokes. I'm not sure if anybody smiled even. Um, so that is a bit weird. Um, it's, it's a weird feeling afterwards. There was a Q and a, that was much nicer because then you can hear the people clap and you can, can, can hear the, the audience, which is really nice. That wasn't the case. And in between my neighbors started listening to very loud techno music. Um, and I was afraid that, um, that would also be audible for the attendees, but it wasn't apparently that's what I was told. That's what you would call an Easter egg. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I've had a bunch of experiences doing doing remote talks and workshops. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really interesting. So one thing that I haven't tried, uh, which some people have been doing, is basically recording their talk and just basically joining your own talk life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've heard from the people that did that is that it's really hard to, you know, basically accept some small mistakes that you make, right? Like this mm-hmm. is just a conversation. I sometimes like, okay, what am I exactly talking about, right? Or like mm-hmm. I'm stumbling over words. And when you're recording, it's like, you know, hey, I can re-record this. Yeah. Um, but it seems like that is also a really cool thing to do. And I, I haven't done that. Um, but just after, like, I think that was in March or maybe early April, I spoke at Swift Paris, like an online meetup. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last months, I've also been giving uh, two different workshops for TriSwift World, um, which is also definitely recommended if you uh, if you want to go to an in or, or sorry, not an in person conference, an online conference, uh, and do a cool workshop and and work together with a small group, uh, it's fantastic. So. There, you do have this really dispersonal thing because it's groups of only up to 10 people um, and you see everyone using Zoom. Uh, so I find that a real like cool thing to do, even though it's remote and online where you can still see the people that you're, that you're talking with and talking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm also soon giving a Choice of World workshop and i'm also looking forward to that um to the experience also to teaching some of the things so that's going to be interesting but i don't want to talk about the workshop yet because i still need a nice name i don't have a catchy name yet and i only want to announce it once i have a catchy name cool that's exciting i'm looking forward to that yeah so those are the catalyst woes those are the catalyst woes well i guess i'll have some more over the next you know this the rest of this month Um, But I don't know. I've not been discouraged yet. I'm looking forward to it. I guess I'll rewrite um, my UI collection view uh, that I forgot to commit and then Mm. go from there. I I also think so. Personally, I think that I have reached the end of the tunnel. So I, I, I think I can see the light. There's only one thing left that I have to do. And that is when you close a document, um, it's not clean, being cleaned up properly um, because um, the way the closing works between iOS and macOS is a bit different. Um, uh, but that is the only thing. And I, I know what to do. I, I have it to do for that. I, I actually have the correct place in the code already open in my editor i just have to go through and do the couple of things and i hope then the the most of the catalyst implementation is done i'm looking forward to that because then i'm i basically have all the things that i really need implemented on macOS, and then i'm almost ready with beta one of the macOS version which only runs on big sur sur though so there won't be that many users right i'll keep my fingers crossed i've heard that there is an Apple event next next week. So, you know, maybe there will be a Big Sur sometime soon. Could um, be, could and be. Then I, and then I think there's a lot of people that are excited about the beta of, of, uh, of your app, including me. Um, definitely wanting to try out HyperDeck on the Mac and seeing how, how it works. Yeah, I'm also excited about 
uh, about sharing this. Um, I think the first version, the first beta, will probably lack some features like a, a moderator or what's called presenter screen, something like that, which I want to take extra care um, to make sure this works correctly with multiple displays and so on on the back. But that's another topic. I think for today, this was a very good episode. And um, yeah, I don't have anything We else can to continue do. the conversation later. Right, let's do that. Okay. Bus? Um, uh, no. To the listeners, thank you for listening. Definitely. Benedict, thank you for having a nice chat with me as always. And thank wishing you a nice well. wishing you a nice rest of the evening. Thank you, you too. Okay. All right. Bye. Listen to you later. Bye bye. How are you, Bus? You're in uh, you're not working anymore. You're basically free to float around how is it correct um i mean i've been chilling today and just doing some things around the the house basically um and then i realized that i forgot to commit something before they erased my computer yesterday (laughs) so it wasn't that much but i'm a little discouraged to work on my side project um because i updated some like a table view to a UI collection view which now like supports table views and yeah I did not commit that oops oh that's oh that sucks um that really sucks I know that feeling when you when you do a lot of work and then it's gone well I mean you know the table view just works so it's fine and like it was just maybe you know me it was basically me trying out the new APIs and seeing how it looks like so I can go Mm. through it again and it will probably not be the worst to you know see all those apis once more okay and otherwise it's been a been a rainy day here um but it's uh it's good mm, nice it's also been a rainy day here i've been in the office today which was nice um i i should do that more often is what i always tell myself when i come back but then the next day when i wake up and it's basically just you know going into the kitchen having a coffee and sitting down i'm like ah it's also nice being at home, uh, but being in the office is also nice because you can talk to the people and um, have a chat, laugh a bit, stuff like that. Yeah, so the office has been open for a while, right? For basically right. just, you know, if, if really required or just like uh, if you if you want to go to the office, you can. Uh, how, how's, how is that? Like have many people returned to the office or like do people return from time to time or how does that work? So, I mean, I don't go there that often, so I have a limited um, limited experience here, but um, the office can't be fully packed, so every second desk has to be free. Um, and they're basically, you can't use these desks. And so um, not everybody could be in at the same time anyway, um, but also people are not. So every time I'm there, I meet different people basically, which is interesting, right? Because every time I go there, there's new friends. <laughs> A new, a new set of friends every time, so that's fun. It's hardly the case that you meet the same one. Um, interestingly, from from the team I'm in, um, basically two persons are almost all the time there. And because one can't really work from, from home because he has kids there, um, and the other one just enjoys the office more. Um, so those are you, you usually see, but from the other teams, it's almost always different people there, which is kind of kind of cool. But then the rest of the office, when I go into venture into other spaces, it's very empty. Um, there's not much happening. Like the one where um, 
You know, when we are when we are upstairs, um, there's a similar kitchen downstairs. Like on the fifth floor, is the kitchen in the same region um, where our upstairs kitchen was. That whole area, like with the glass um, room and so on, there's never a person. It's always completely empty. Right. I mean, for me, it's hard to imagine because I haven't been in any office since the middle of March, just before mm -hmm. they announced that we'd be closing our office. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, soon I'll be starting a new job, completely remote, probably mm -hmm. also for at least a few months. So, yeah, it's, it's like interesting to like imagine the office with people, but at the same time, it's like, it feels weird. And it's interesting to see, you know, how, how long has it been, about six months, uh, how, how much has changed. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, and it's also not the office with people, right? Because as I said, there are people, but if you have like, you know, how big the room was that we're in just and for the listeners, I would say it's, I'm bad with football fields. Um, it, it, let's call it a couple of Apple stores in terms of size, like mm -hmm. medium-sized Apple stores, like one and a half to two medium-sized Apple stores, and you have three people sitting there. So that's not that's not really people, right? That's mostly sitting alone. Last week I went to the office very early, so I arrived at eight, and at eight thirty the cleaning lady came in, and she was um, she was really shocked to see me sitting there. Like she didn't, she didn't think there would be a human being, and um, she actually she was like, oh, who are you? Because it's always empty at that time, and it, it didn't. And um, I mean, talking about offices, one thing that is clear, right, is that um, if everybody stays more at home and working from home, then sometimes a smaller apartment doesn't cut it anymore because usually you would stay the whole day at work and then in the evening stay at home. But now, let's say both partners um, go don't go to the office anymore, but work from home, you kind of want another room. And that's the situation that we, um, my girlfriend and I find, ourselves in and so we've been looking for different rooms here in Hamburg, um, uh, different apartments and it's rather tricky because like what all the uh, landlords and so on tell us is that suddenly there's a huge increase uh, for people looking for three and four room apartments and um, because everybody needs suddenly a home office or maybe even two because suddenly it's like after six months of working together where it's difficult to find a shared space um, people want to have like their own space where they can actually talk in, in meetings and so on and, and have the proper office and don't sit in the kitchen anymore. So I also see that this is really changing the way people live in cities, obviously. Um, some people might also say, if I don't have to go to the office every day, I can also just live outside the city and just once a week take a longer trek to the, to the office if I go there only once a week. So there's a lot of changes. And for us, it means we are currently searching for an apartment and it's not that easy. Yeah, I mean, similar to uh, for us actually. Uh, so we're not switching apartments, um, but we are basically building another bedroom and bathroom in the attic so that we can convert one of the bedrooms to an office so that we both have an office. Um, so that's the option that we have and, and are taking. Um, but yeah, I can definitely relate to, you know, figuring out if you work from home especially with multiple people, like how does that fit basically the setup of the apartment because, or, or the house, right? Because it seems like those, those uh, needs are changing. Right. And especially if you also have kids, it's even more difficult because then you need more space and so on. It's all very tricky. So it's, um, it's kind of interesting to watch how this will shape, 
how people live, but it's also kind of sad because for some people they have to incur higher costs because apartments with more rooms are more expensive. Especially now that there's a suddenly a huge market spike for them. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I am also curious to see, especially long term, um, with more companies going remote, uh, if there will be things like a, uh, a working from home budget, right? Mm, so those yeah. those things would at least be able to help uh, make that jump from not having an office to, to building an office, for example. Um, yeah. But yeah, like a new apartment obviously is very different from like, okay, there's a budget to set up a room, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I think we'll definitely see that change making quite an impact over, over the coming months or, or years even.